God says, you do your part, and God will do his part. Sounds good, right? Nobody could ever do their part. So, in the New Testament, God provides a way, showing us in the Old Covenant that there is no other way. And in the New Testament, God says that he'll do his part so that you'll do your part. See? He'll do his part and it has zero to do with your behavior or my performance. And has everything to do with faith. That's it. And then as a result of that, we'll do our part. So the New Testament is God will do his part so that we'll do our part. He knows. He understands. He sees what you are going to be in the end. And he already gives you credit for it. Hey, this is Peter John. I'm glad you're tuned in on this Thursday morning. Reminding me, Thursday, that tonight we gather in the upper room. That little used-to-be gas station. uh, Right by the road, by the highway, uh, at our church. We gather tonight for prayer and communion, and it is always a rich, blessed time. So come on out tonight. Come on out. You can put the presidential debate on hold. You can pause it. You can record it. But come on out and seek the King of Kings. We are in the book of Hebrews here on Rogue Grace. And so picking up where we left off, Well, I'll read it again, in fact. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear 
lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Fear what? Fear failing to reach the rest that Jesus Christ has provided. Not fear. I love this. It doesn't say fear that you're not doing enough. It doesn't say fear that you're not doing good works. It doesn't say fear that you're not attending church often enough. It says fear, fear this, that you have not entered in to his rest. <laughs> okay, Lord. I like that. I'm to be afraid that I'm not resting in you. <laughs> okay, Lord. Right now then, I choose to rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. For it goes on to say, good news came to us just as it did to the children of Israel. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So the writer of Hebrews then draws the parallel with the Exodus and with the Pentateuch showing the people of Israel did not enter into the promised land. The good news did not benefit them because they were not united by faith, we read, with those who listened. See, in any group, any congregation, you're going to have the message of justification. Say, if I'm preaching or somebody who loves the gospel is teaching, you're going to have that message and there will be those who believe and then there will be those who choose not to believe. And it's so subtle. Let me tell you why. We begin to think as Christians, that's good. That's good news. I like it. I like to hear it. But I know I have issues. I have problems. I have sins. Can't be for me. That's right. Then it won't be. Then it won't be. You won't enter into that rest if that's your mindset, your mentality. What the mindset has to be is, I know I have sins and issues and shortcomings, but the preacher just talked about the rest that comes from trusting and believing, not in my work, but in the finished work of Jesus Christ. I'm going to enter into that. That, my friends, is rest for you that is available to you and has nothing to do with you. <laughs> Except that you believe. That's all. So the book of Hebrews goes on to say, So then, listen, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Therefore, let us strive to enter that 
rest. Okay? Listener, you got that? Brother, sister, time to strive. That's right. Time to labor. First it said labor, then it says strive. You ready for that? Yes, Christians will often say. I'm ready to labor. What do you want me to do? How long should I pray? How many people should I witness to? How much money should I give? I'm ready to labor. Others would say, I'm ready to strive. I'm ready to strive. What good works should I do? Okay, it says labor to enter God's rest. (laughs) And it says strive to enter God's rest. Don't you love that? Strive and labor to rest. That's what we need to do. That's what we're able to do. That's what we get to do.
So our text in Hebrews states there is one thing to be afraid of. See, the whole book of Hebrews is powerful because it's constantly reminding us not to fear, not to be intimidated. The whole book of Hebrews goes down the list of men and women, people who had no fear, and we are to follow that example, except it says in one place that you should have fear. It's what we read earlier today. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should have failed to reach it. The one thing we're told to be afraid of is not entering into God's rest. See, I'm not told to be afraid of problems in my life or issues that I'm dealing with. Not even, it doesn't even say in this instance, not in this instance of sins that I'm tempted by. No, it says the one thing I'm to be afraid of in the book of Hebrews is not resting in the Lord. And you're saying, well, now I'm afraid, Pete. Listen, just that statement alone should take all of the pressure off your shoulders, all of the weight, the burden being removed, because you realize, okay, the only thing God doesn't want me to do here in the text is to lack or not have rest in Jesus Christ. Okay, I can do that. I can now rest in Jesus Christ. I know I have issues, shortcomings, flaws, and problems. Okay, but that's not what this is about. This is all predicated. This is all based on simply me resting in the finished work of Jesus Christ and what he has accomplished on the cross. Wow. This is the kind of Christianity that needs to be proclaimed more often. I always hear sermons on how to be a better man and what I need to do to be more successful and five keys to being whatever. You know what? There's one key. And that key is relaxing, not just cuz, relaxing in what Jesus Christ has done and who he is. That's what I'm to rest in. So the fear should only be this, falling short, coming short of God's rest. So are you kind of stressed a little bit? Are you kind of worried about your finances or feeling shame about your behavior? Okay, those things are understandable. But now, the only thing you should be afraid of is not coming into falling short of God's rest. If I were to ask you, are you a righteous person? How would you answer that? Seriously. I mean, what would be the first thing that comes from your mouth? The first sentence that you reply. If I were to say, hey, buddy, missus, 
Are you a righteous person? How would you respond? Many would say, well, Pete, I'm working on it. Okay, if that's your response, then you are not resting. (laughs) Ask me if I'm a righteous guy. And I'm going to say, I am absolutely righteous. I am perfect. I am spotless. Well, who do you think you are? You would say, I would say, it's not who I am. It's who Jesus Christ is. He is those things. And now I am found in him.
listen to the words of David talking about the rest of God. In Psalm 95, he writes, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God. And we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For forty years I loathed that generation and said, They are a people who go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So, 500 years after the time of Moses and the first mentions of Sabbath, the promised land and God's rest, David now writes about it in Psalm 95. And he is bringing up how the people of, of, of God, the Hebrews, did not enter the promised land or the rest of God because, because they hardened their hearts, because they felt as though they could not enter into the land through their own inadequacies or lack of strength. And so God says, indeed, you will not enter my rest. This theme of of the rest of God is found, therefore, we see in the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, the writings of, of Moses, but also in the Psalms here in Psalm 95, as I just read goes on in the cross where Jesus is speaking with the thief and then, of course, through the New Testament. And all through it, we are told to labor. Labor to what? Labor not to do better. Labor not to be greater. Labor to rest. This is against human nature, isn't it? Case in point. Remember? In the book of 2 Kings, where there was this powerful military officer by the name of Naaman. He was the chief commander of the Syrian army, not even a Jew, not even a child of Israel. And it says that he was strong. It says that he was famous. And it says that he was a leper. Under all that armor, he had a plague of leprosy. And it was literally eating him alive. How about you? Do you ever feel like that? Man, outwardly, it might look like I have my act together. Outwardly, it might look like, hey, I'm sharp. Or at least I'm getting by. But underneath, I know something's eating me up. And that something is called shame. And that is the leprosy that we deal with. 
condemnation and shame from our sin. It'll eat you up. And that's what it was doing to Naaman. So his king said, go talk to the people of Israel. There's somebody there that can heal you. And so he left. Ultimately, one way thing led to another, and he comes to the house of Elisha. Remember the story? And he knocks on the door, and guess who comes to the door? Not Elisha, his servant. And Naaman gets offended because his servant says, Now, go wash in the Jordan River, and you will be healed. What? That little creek? And Elisha didn't even bother to come address me. I, does he know who I am? I'm the big gun, man. I'm the top dog. I'm the five-star general. He should be amazed that I would even come to his house and not level it, but want to talk to him. And he goes off and he's ticked. He's arrogantly upset. You know the story? One of his assistants says, well, um, Neiman, why not just try it? I mean, what do you got to lose? Just take a dip in the Jordan. What if he's right? And so Naaman stopped, went into the river, dipped seven times like he was told to do and comes out. It says his skin was like that of a baby. <laughs> That is how fresh, that is how clean he was. And he comes back and he says to Elisha now, Hey, I have been cleansed. I, I want to pay you back. No, Elisha says, I will receive nothing. He says, well, let me do this. Can I take some dust, some dirt from the land here with me so that when I am forced to bow to our gods, that I will know that I am not really bowing to them but I am bowing to God. Sure, you can do that. Elisha said. Sure, you can have some grace for the rest of your life. Sure, uh, you can have some slack cut to you because you have been truly cleansed simply by believing. So what a story that is. There's something in us, isn't there? that wants to do more than just believe. I mean, that's one thing. And I think as Christians like Naaman, so often we say, that can't be all there is. The reason we say that is because I know that's how I got in, but there's got to be more. How is, how is it that I'm just to believe? What about actions? What about um, choices? You know what? That has nothing to do. Actions and choices have zero to do with your righteousness. Well, Pete, that's too easy. No, it's not. You know why? As Naaman shows us, as the story tells us, guess what? It's hard work to not be self-righteous. I mean, if Elisha would have told Naaman to do some great deed, climb a huge mountain or slaughter tons of giants. Naaman would have said, that's it. Of course, that's more like it. But you mean I'm just to dip in the Jordan River? 
He couldn't grasp that initially. And we have a hard time resting our minds from the concept that we're not called to slay giants, climb mountains, but simply to dip in the finished work of Jesus Christ. But there, my friends, there is where salvation and peace is truly found. Pressed on every side My enemies are many And I'm weary But my voice will you hear In the morning Oh Lord Hear my cry You heard my shield about me I come into your house and I will find my rest in your mercies
shield about me Isn't it great to remember to know that God is at rest? Mm-hmm. He rested on that seventh day of creation, didn't he? Creating the Sabbath. And guess what? It's perpetual. It's eternal. It never stopped. Our Sabbath stops through our own disobedience or our inconsistencies, our stress levels. His Sabbath never does. God is always at rest. That's why he says in the Psalms, and that's why he says here in our text in Hebrews 4, I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. Look at that, my rest. God already has his rest. All we have to do is enter into that rest that he has. He says not just they shall not enter the rest, but he says my rest. Just know this right now. Even if you're not resting, God is. Even if you're stressing, God is resting. See, there are times when we may be stressing, but God is always resting. Isn't that great? Even for me, like um, for this radio show, I love doing it. I always have since I've been here. And there was a time when um, I would do it twice, one in 10 and then another at three for an hour. Loved it. In fact, I could have done more if, if I knew that it wasn't going to drive you crazy. But now I'm just trying to get back into things. And I might think to myself, why can't I do two shows like I did before? But you know what? God is resting. He's totally relaxed when it comes to this ministry, this radio program, when it comes to my ability. So now I can either choose to stress or rest. So can you. Why not rest? Because that's what we're to labor to do. And that's what it is for me. Every day I have to, I get to, I must labor to rest. And I love that scripture that says that. I love that the Bible says labor to enter into God's rest. What a great paradigm. What a great, almost seemingly contradiction. You're supposed to labor. Yes, we know, we say, to rest. Oh, okay. You're supposed to labor to rest. How? faith. Not in yourself, not in your work, not in your ability. Faith in the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ. That will bring you rest. So, by faith I accept, I believe the promises of God. Or, by fear, I'm kept from entering those things. That's it. That's it for you, for me.
By faith you enter, by fear you're kept out. Well, Pete, how can I have faith? First of all, it's a gift from God. (laughs) But second of all, in his word, you read it, believe it, receive it. There is faith that will be given to you by and through the word of God. Thank you for tuning in. We are in Hebrews chapter 4, and we will pick up in Hebrews 4, verse 12 tomorrow. Lord willing. May the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face to shine upon you. He loves you so much. And his love is perfect. Unlike mine, unlike yours, his love has no end, no flaw. Receive it, believe it, walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen.